Welcome to the Coffee with Creators podcast, a casual conversation with creators about life and experiences. I'm your friend and your host, Michael. So Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So a little background. I've actually followed Emily's account for the last, I think, I, I think two years or maybe even more. And I'll tell you why. Emily doesn't know this because this is the first time that actually we're meeting via um, a video conference. Uh, I use my, my favorite game of, of all, I would say to this day, is Horizon. Horizon Zero, Zero oh, Dawn. Yeah. Actually, I should say my favorite game now is Horizon The Forbidden West. That's my favorite. But when Zero Dawn came out, I actually started playing it probably a year after it came out. And I've just been a big fan ever since. And since then, I was looking for, you know, little art pieces and just like anything that I can find that is that is related to the game. And I came across one of your stuff. Uh, it was a, a drawing of Aloy. It's a yeah. profile view with oh, cool. her wear, wearing her mask. Yeah. I think um, you remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. A, yeah, yeah. So I saw it on Instagram, I think. And I started like, obviously, obviously just like, like loved that photo. And I just followed your account ever since. And then it transitioned from from those to Destiny characters. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, I played Destiny too. And this is awesome. Oh, no so it's way. like, cool. I do. Yeah, I mean, I used to. I'm not a hardcore um, yeah, I'm not gamer, just, yeah, yeah, but I love very the casual design. Yeah, very casual. I love the hard the the um the design of Destiny. Mm. I love Definitely. just the, the the lore in general. My brother mm-hmm. plays a lot of Destiny, and he would tell me, um, he would basically explain to me the story of what's really? going on in the game. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's fascinating, and um, that's basically how I discovered your your art, and oh. I've, I've followed you ever since, and um. I see, like over the years, um, how much you're you've refined your craft, and how much you like. I can see the passion. I can see the uh, the just just the joy of of mm-hmm. when you draw something. Like I can see it. I can feel it. I actually come from a um, a drawing background myself, really- not professionally, but I can see it in your art. Like how much you enjoy doing that. So that was a kind of quick introduction to my guest today, Emily. <laughs> Thank you for being on the podcast. That's how I discovered you. That's how I found your your art. So um, I'm gonna stop talking because I talk a lot. Uh, I'd like to for you to introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about yourself so that the listeners can also um, know who you are and what you do. Okay. <laughs> um, my name's Emily, and I'm an artist. Um, I I do kind of like a range of art. Like I've never been able to just do one sort of avenue of art. I've always just been like, I want to try this, I want to try this, I want to try this. Um, and when was it? I, I don't know. I was doing like photography like most of my teenage to early 20s. Um, and then sort of like realized that I've, oh, oh, I've always drawn like throughout all of my life. I've, always used to draw with my hands. I'd get like detention in school because I'd drawn all over the books, all over like everything. Um, but I always thought like, oh, I actually want to do photography. And then I stopped doing photography because I realized how much I just loved drawing. So I drew all the time. Um, and then I was really into um, Halo. Uh, and then I heard that they were bringing out a new game called Destiny that was like space and stuff and I love space. Um, and I thought, oh my god, that sounds amazing. I really want to like fly to all the planets and stuff that I heard that you could do. And then when I discovered 
destiny I was like holy shit I want to do this I want to make games I want to like I want to be like an artist in in games because it, it looked like just like a massive collaborative art piece just with like loads of artists making something amazing I was like oh my god I want to do that so then I went to college uh, to do 3D um, development in game design to try and like learn those skills that uh, seem to be wanted in order to work on the game <laughs> so did that for like three years but like alongside doing that course um and maybe like a year before um i did a lot of a traditional like, pencil drawing drawings um but mainly it was like anime um did a lot of anime stuff like uh dragon ball z and pokemon and whatnot um, and that was when i first discovered prism color pencils which what i use now um, which I've used pretty much the whole time. Um, but yeah, doing those like very cell shaded uh, anime sort of creatures and characters, I sort of learned how to work with those pencils because they're very waxy and really strange to use. They're very different from like normal colored pencils. And then it sort of just progressed into game, game like fan art because when I discovered Destiny, I was like, oh my God, I want to draw something from there. Uh, and the first thing I drew, I think, was the two ghost shells from the... They do like a crimson Valentine's Day thing. Um, and I drew that. And then that sort of snowballed into like, oh, people commenting, you should draw this, you should draw that. So I was like, okay, so let's see what I can do. <laughs> um, and then started drawing like more and more stuff. And then because I got so many requests, I was like, right, I need to touch people now. <laughs> so it's like yeah. getting out of hand. So then that's how my commission sort of came about and then that that's that <laughs> and then here I am now so now I just do um I'm a freelance artist entirely so all of most of my work is like commissions from uh like popular games and stuff and people will come to me like can you draw this character from this game and at the moment it seems to be majoritively destiny people who just want their characters like immortalized mm -hmm. on this paper so they're just like yes can you draw this for me and I'm like okay <laughs> I'll do that um but on the other flip side I also do concept art and illustration and um, like digital stuff so I um, I've done some work with studios to do concept for characters and creatures and stuff like that. So that's kind of like my goal is to go more towards that, um, but also have like do these traditional commissions sort of sort of on the side alongside everything. So yeah, <laughs> just sort of like I'm all at the bar everywhere. <laughs> no, that's that's lovely. It's a it's a great picture of how artists used to and it still do work like freelance artists. Um, when I was when I was a kid, my brother and I dreamed of becoming concept artists, mm -hmm. just because there's such a fun it's such a fun uh, imagine imaginary world. Exactly. Me, yeah. Right. Like you're you're someone is literally paying you to imagine something. And draw. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like it comes as a second nature to mm. to say, like my my thing. I was never like I used to draw a lot. I used to draw a lot of Dragon Ball when I was a kid and, um, because I used to watch Dragon Ball a lot and I drew Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, those sort of um, comic books and cartoon style, um, but never really refined them. It's mostly just um, just out of, uh, uh, I guess, as a hobby. Yeah. And when anime started, yeah, yeah, when anime started to, to become more popular, 
um, I found myself drawing still, but mm. I liked to watch it more mm. than actually draw. My brother kept drawing even to this day. Like he oh, is into like concept art and he doesn't do it professionally, but he does it just like as a hobby and he, he yeah. still loves to do it. And it's one of my very, very few regrets in life. And that is basically um, putting the pencil down. Like I wish mm. I kept drawing. It's it's one of the, that's why, I think that's why I love following your account. Cause I still see when I watch you draw, I see the progress of your, your art or the finished results. Um, it just reminds me of, of how fun it is because mm. you get to imagine something. And I just wanted to point out um, earlier that you said that people like to immortalize their characters in mm. Destiny. And he, so for the listeners who aren't familiar with the game, it's basically a first-person shooter game. That's a, that's a, a, a good, accurate, I guess, um, explanation yeah. of the game is, right? <laughs> It, it's uh, it's on consoles, PC, and Xbox. So each character, you can eventually customize it. And so one of the things that's lovely about that game is the fact that you can really make it your own. Like mm. you, you get to pick a class, and then you customize the armor and all that stuff. And the, the ghost that Emily mentioned earlier, it's like your little assistant. It's like this flying little robot thingy. Yeah, and it's so, cute. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. And even that you can customize. You can change it. Yeah. What's fascinating to me is that with the graphics nowadays, with the graphics of the console, the games in general, it's funny how instead of taking a screenshot of their character, of their build, they would rather pay someone to draw it. Has, has that ever occurred to you? Like, why? Oh, yeah. I think that all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. So what is, your, what is your theory? Why do you think people would like um, to pay someone to do that? I don't know, I think it just makes it a bit more special, a bit more like genuine to them, because a lot of the times I've, I've seen on Twitter, because I'm part of like the whole Destiny Twitter, um, and a lot of the people there, they, they go really quite deep into their own character. They'll give them a huge background, like a, a whole lore to their own character. Um, and it's their own original character that they just have so much connection to. So they feel like, I want to actually have this as like, part of my like my room decoration because a lot of them they use it for like their game room and um this one this one guy called josh um he's now he's just come back to me again he's he's, he's already commissioned me twice to do a three a really big piece of um three guardians his fire team and I, they do like raid uh first day raids or something every, like each time raid comes out and he's just messaged me recently saying are you committed to that because i think you must have just done that new raid or something but then they're not cheap pieces either so they're like really big like expensive pieces so i'm guessing like they 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 just love the fact that they've completed something that was super hard and it's just like i don't know it's just like community kind of thing because obviously Mm -hmm. they have a fire team that's their friends and they just want to like immortalize it (laughs) and be like that's what we did and like yeah um, it's like having like a photo, but a bit more complex. <laughs> I yeah, guess. It's, it's, I think it's. I think you said it, you said it perfectly when you said it's. It, it's personal, basically. Yeah. Um, when well, this is something that I understand only because I come from a generation that's that's older, but I grew up in a generation of gamers. Mm. So when I say that I'm a gamer, I'm an old school gamer. I used to play mm. games all the time. Like all my money went to just gaming. Mm. Then as I I got older. 
you know, obviously I don't game anymore, but I still see the passion, the enjoyment, and I understand the relationships that you build in the games between mm. you and the character in the game and mm. the friends that you meet along the way. And yeah. that actually is akin to um, me playing with my old neighbor when we were kids. Mm. Like, I remember that, and it's, it's a fond memory for me. It's, it's something yeah. I look back to with, with, you know, with great joy. So Absolutely. I feel like these, right, the, this peop, the, the people that play Destiny um, who really love the game feel the same way. So they mm. look forward to logging in at the end of the day and be like, let's go have an adventure and just like meet friends and all the conversations. And definitely they, they really want to immortalize that. And I think this translates more to just, um, just taking a screenshot mm. of the game. They want it to be personal because to them it is personal. And I feel yeah, like absolutely. your work, because it's such a personal thing, it's such a unique um, piece of work. It's not, you can't recreate it. Let's just put it that way. Mm. Whatever you draw, all the pencil strokes and all the shading, that yeah. is unique, right? You can't, you can replicate that, but only so much. Mm. Every single stroke is a unique stroke. Every single piece, no matter how well or how, how, how good you are, I guess, it's not going to be the exact same thing. So I think, no. yeah, I think that because of that, people are willing to pay for that uniqueness, that mm. that human aspect of the art that yeah. is not generated by just a, a high graphics or anything like that. Mm. So um, I understand you also work. You said that you you actually said that that um, taking commission work is kind of like your side job. So most of the time, you actually focus on concept art. Is that is that correct? It's a bit, it, it fluctuates a lot when you're freelance. Um, for me, anyway, it does. Because um, at the moment, I'm kind of low on contract work. I'm trying to find like another section of work to, to work on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so at the minute, I'm, at the minute, I am mainly concentrating on my commissions. Um, but also throughout the week, I try and section out time to do some original concept work so I can pad out my portfolio and like, constantly just make sure it's updated and make sure it's as good as I can make it <laughs> to find more work. So like a lot a lot of work is just like lots of bits of work <laughs> when you freelance. Yeah, hard to explain really because it's like not one big chunk of just this is your job. It's like, oh I'll do some work for this person and and then I I'm also doing illustration for like a, an indie tabletop game, um like a role playing one. Um so I do that throughout the week as well so I always find scheduling days quite hard because like one day I'll be like right I'm going to dedicate this but then something might come up and be like actually no I need to concentrate on this and then yeah I'm like all over the place <laughs> I need like a manager but I can't have a manager <laughs> no, you, when you were describing it like it actually made perfect sense you perfectly described the life of a freelancer that's what yeah. it is yeah it's it is the life of a freelancer and I think that's one of the the I guess the most interesting part of, of being a freelancer is the fact that not the, the, okay. So this is the misunderstanding that people, um, this is what people think when you say you're a freelancer, they say, Oh, you have control of your time mm. in a sense you do. Yeah. But if you control your time in a way that you don't want to work, then you're not going to get paid. No. And so <laughs> being a freelancer means you have to keep working mm. and that's, what's hard about it. You have to keep sustaining yourself, your art, your, your, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. And you can't be, uh, you can't just be complacent. You have to keep seeking out, you know, new commission work, whatever it is, build yeah. relationships. 
it's a lot of work. But mm. if compared to if you were employed by a company, all they all you have to do is show up and <laughs> you do the assignment and that's it, which mm. is good for a lot of people. And there's yeah. no problem with that if you like that. But it does limit your creativity in, in a mm. way. And it's just a matter of what do you prefer? Do you want to just focus on one thing and have someone basically tell you what you can draw or what you should be drawing or creating or do it on your own? And like you said, actually, Emily, at this point, I think you do need a manager, right? <laughs> you, do, you do need someone to help you manage your time because that was going to be my next question. I for, I, for one, for a fact, I know for a fact that drawing takes a lot of time. Mm. Right? It takes a lot of time. People think that it's so easy. It's easier for artists to draw because they've been doing it most of their life. Exactly. <laughs> But it's a lot of hours. Like, mm. I remember when I was a kid and someone would tell me, I was in high school, and someone would tell me, can you draw me, you know, this character or whatever? I'm like, yeah, I can, I can do that. Like, I'll do it. Like, I'll give it to you by, by the weekend or something. He's like, can't you do it right now? I'm like, it's, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work like It's not that easy. And mm. so when you're drawing, like, tell me if this is true, right? When you're drawing, when you're in the zone, right? Mm. It's called flow state. When you're in the zone, it's like time stops and you're just in it and you're just, you're just in the flow and mm. it almost like you don't, you don't even realize like hours have gone by. Yeah. And you're done. You're like, oh, that was, in, in a way it's also energizing. Like it's mm. tiring, but it's also energizing, especially seeing your progress. Yeah. But for the rest of the world, it's like, why is it taking so long? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you get that question from your, from your clients? Like. How long is it going to take? Like, do you get clients that are very excited that they want it to get done like right away? Sometimes, to be honest, a lot of them um, are really quite laid back now. The only time they've ever asked about something like that is when I'm already, while I'm already working on someone else's commission and they're asking me when I'm going to start theirs. Um, that's the only time I've ever had that. Um, maybe back, back in the day, I might have had a few people be like, where is it? <laughs> when are you going to do it? But uh, like now I've, I've made it, quite clear that I I can't have like a time frame to make sure it's done by. So um, I can't get things done for like birthdays and stuff like that. If, if, if somebody puts on a, like, joins my commission slot at a certain, cause like, I do it in like order of whoever's put in their slot. Um, cause a while back I used to just take, do like a commission batch. And then um, if somebody needed it for a certain time, like or a certain date, they could pay like an extra amount to push them to the, the front of the queue to be like, okay, I need it done by this day. But then it ended up, people ended up doing it so much that some of the people who couldn't do that were pushed right at the back and like complete, almost like forgotten about, but just, it's just because it, everyone else kept being pushed to the front. So I was like, this isn't fair. <laughs> so I couldn't, no, it's not fair. I couldn't have that yeah. happen each time because then I just felt really bad at, at, at the other people who, you know, didn't maybe didn't need it for a certain time, but I, I was like taking taking too too long to get to them. So I was like, right now, whatever number your slot is, that's like when I'm gonna do it. So yeah, <laughs> I can't have I you, can't get it done for a certain time. Have you ever considered um, making your clientele uh, smaller, like your list of clients to be a little bit more select? So instead mm -hmm. of taking a lot of clientele charging them more but making the list smaller because i feel like yeah. 
right? Like for me, when I was taking photos for a living and doing even graphic design, I've gotten so many clients that I just couldn't handle it. And obviously, mm-hmm. when you spread yourself out too thin, the quality diminishes. And yeah. you can see it. The clients can see it. No one is happy. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, so it was a point where, um, do you follow Chris Doe? I'm not sure if you're familiar with that person. Chris Doe. I didn't you think probably so. don't. Okay. Yeah. So he is a, a creative. He, I'll, send you, I'll send you the link um, when we're done with the podcast. But he runs this uh, organization called The Future. And it's just an... Um, I don't know if organization is the right word for it, but it's like a bunch of creatives, artists, designers, everything, everything that has to do art. And Chris Doe's goal is to help designers and creator, creatives, creators to make a living out of what they love doing. And so that was one of his things that I, I remember reading about this like a few years ago. And he was saying, yeah, just charge them more. Make your clientele I'm saying it verbatim, not verbatim, but you know what I mean? It's like the concept is um, you you make your list shorter, you know, so accept less clients, but charge them more. Because now you're at a point where you need to work um, at a higher level. And you can't do that when you're spread out too thin, right? Mm. So, but I understand it's not attainable for most people, but that's the only way that you can really elevate your craft. Yeah. And also sustain yourself and at the same time enjoy and when you're enjoying something that you you're doing i mean the growth is just amazing and you want to sustain that right like Mm. it becomes more sustainable then you wake up excited then you say i want to create this new piece and it opens up new doors for creativity and opportunity just because nothing is holding you back you know like Mm. you know clients that don't pay or clients that are paying too low or projects that you're not excited about so mm-hmm. I feel like um, I've embraced that concept as much as I can. It's not mm-hmm. perfect, but um, I've approached things like that. Like, okay, I'm too busy now, so I'm just going to... Because it doesn't feel intuitive, like saying no. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like it's the right thing to do. I don't yeah. want to say no to a paying client. And I think <laughs> it, it also depends on your nature, right? My nature is I like to make people happy. Yeah. So when, when, when they say, you know, hey, can you do this? Because it's going to be like the most amazing thing for me or for my daughter or whatever. You know, a big part of me wants to do that. But mm-hmm. obviously, that's also not fair to the other people because to them, they, it also means a lot to them. But maybe they just can't express it the same way that this person yeah. does. So you know, it's, it's kind of like a, I guess, a weird area. But anyway, my point is um, you've not, you haven't considered uh, basically charging more so that you have less clients but higher quality clients have you um i've played with the idea a few times and every year i do increase my rates just to get in that kind of area but i always feel like the clients that i do get are or or just i don't know i just feel bad (laughs) like charging too much because like some of the clients might not be able to afford it um yeah so I always want to try and keep at least it say if somebody just wanted their character done and it's just like a single character and nothing else A4. Um, I want that to be at least affordable to a, a wide range of people. But then if people want extra, like bigger and whatever, then that's where like 
the the bigger money is coming from because it's obviously going to take a lot longer and it's bigger and it's just more materials and time everything like that so that that's sort of like where I kind of think <laughs> but I don't know like I hate I hate this I hate talking about money as well because I always feel really terrible <laughs> asking oh you it. definitely like, need to listen to Chris though because that is one of his topics that's that's one of the things that I think he hit hit the uh he was basically just very accurate with with saying that designers in general creatives in general hate talking about money mm. it's like it's I don't know why, but I feel like it's we, offensive to talk about <laughs> because you know why? This is my theory. This is why theory my theory. Because we do the things that we do, um, it, it comes to us so naturally, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel right to charge for it. Because it doesn't feel difficult for us, right? That, not because just because it doesn't feel difficult doesn't mean it has no value. So mm-hmm. if I ask you to draw something, I, I was just talking to a friend last night, just last night, and we were talking about this, and I said if you show me an Excel sheet, my mind will just fall into pe- like into a million pieces. Like I cannot, I know how to create layouts and stuff. And I know the concept of just labeling things and making sure everything makes sense. But if you ask me to create a simple Excel sheet of whatever, like the business expense or, or how much I spent last week on food, something as simple as that, my mind is just will just collapse. And that's mm-hmm. just how I view it. I'm just I just don't feel comfortable. And because of that, I am willing to pay someone to make that Excel sheet for mm-hmm. me. And so that person, like I could ask my friend John last night who I was talking to, I'm like, John, can you make me an Excel sheet? And he'll do it in like five minutes. You know what I mean? He'll do it in five minutes because it's so easy. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's simple. And if I were to say, here's money, he's gonna be like, why are you paying me? It's so easy. <laughs> but that's the concept. Yeah. That's the concept. For me, I feel the pain when I have to create that Excel sheet. And I'm willing to um, I'm willing to pay so that I don't have to experience that pain. So if you look at your artwork, yeah, if you look at your artwork in that way, your art, your 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 creations in that way, it makes much more sense. So you're not stealing anything from your clients. In fact, you're giving them the opportunity to enjoy what it is that they want to enjoy. So mm-hmm. that's that's a um, anyway. I I I tend to sidetrack, but no, it's do, you like to, do you like to brainstorm? Because I have a uh, I have an idea that just like popped in my head, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this because I love yeah. brainstorming. Okay, so your problem is you want to serve all these people that that want artwork from you, but possibly can't afford what you're offering, but at the same time, you know you can't always cater to everyone. Because you mm. just don't have time. It's physically impossible. The world just doesn't work that way unless you have mutant powers so that you can stop time or something. But what if you have another avenue wherein you can take uh, commissions, let's just call them commissions, and draw them for free, for free. They get to enjoy whatever it is, but you get to do it on, um, on a, a better time slot. And what I'm leading into is, have you ever considered making a channel a youtube channel for example i don't know if you do if you i do have one yeah you do have one do you draw on like what do you share on that youtube channel it's basically just like time lapses of all the art that i've done um i just shove them together in like five minutes (laughs) okay and then put it up and then be like this is how i did it (laughs) and that's it it's kind of just like a a a really big archive of um all the art that I've done I don't really use it that much I just 
like shove stuff on there and then leave it. <laughs> yeah. No, because um, I think I think we live in a time that's very very friendly and um, I guess fruitful for for artists. Mm. I grew up in the '80s. You know that does age me. You know I I I look I'm much older than I look. You know to most people, um, but when I was growing up, the saying that you are a starving artist really rings true. Like mm. when you are an artist, you really don't get paid for anything. So you have to go out there and find those clients and you have to really make sure that your art stands out. Mm. But now that we have all these outlets, right? Social media, it's so easy. You literally have the world at your fingertips. So what I'm trying to, like when I was brainstorming in my head, <laughs> it's like, what if, what if you, you take only high paying clients, take only high paying clients, gives you more time, gives you more money, and because you have a little bit more time, you're a little bit more free to give opportunities to people who can't afford your art. And what you can do is you can take maybe once a month, take a commission, a free commission from people. Say you, it's like a lottery. It'll be like, okay, for this month, I'm picking this name. And what they want is a character, their character from Destiny, whatever it is, right? And you create the YouTube episode on that one how you draw it it can be a time lapse it can be you're talking why you're doing something like this and you cut it you speed it up whatever it is and at the end they have their art granted it's not printed but they can view it anytime on youtube they can see it they feel they feel they can feel fulfilled in a way because it's like oh pick me pick me and they get they get excited so you get to serve those audience without charging them and as you grow that channel, as you grow that content, more and more people will want to watch. They want to see who's the next character, who's the, um, you know, what's the next art, or is she going to pick me? You know, stuff like that. I mean, that that's just in my head. Like, like mm -hmm. that might be a pretty good idea. I mean, you get to serve those people, and at the same time, you're 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 doing something that you love, and you're also working with high-paying clients. I mean, I don't know. What do you think of that? Is that am I just being silly? No, it sounds like a, a really good idea, but I'm really weird about videos and stuff. Like, I can't, um, I mean, I could do probably a time lapse of it, but like talking over the top and stuff, like, I, I can't do so. You don't have to do that. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, um, possibly. Um, that is something I could think about. Yeah, because you can just, you, all you can do is just post the videos, like the time lapse. And you you do the all the interaction on your Twitter because that's where your following is, right? On Twitter, on so Instagram, like, yeah. Uh, and Instagram, so you can be on either one. You can be like, all right, for this month, I am picking this name, and then go watch that YouTube video. And because you know, my my um, example for that one is I followed this page ever since like four years ago, I think. Her name is Elizabeth Gray, and she runs this page called The Greater Good, and she is an introvert. She never showed her face on camera. She never speaks on camera. All you see is her hand and the artwork. And she grew her account to like 200, 300,000. Wow. And that's, she, she did not even show her face. But she interacts with her audience through um, replying to the messages, obviously, right? Stuff like that. So my point is you don't have to show your face. You don't even have to speak. Um, now she does. Like she now she, she shows her face more. Um, 
which is an added bonus for her followers, for her audience, because it's like, oh, it's finally her. You know, I, could, I feel like I've built this relationship with her artwork and now I can see the person behind it. So yeah. I think um, it's something that you can explore. I don't know. I, I'm not saying you have to do it. I'm just like, I just like to brainstorm. That's why I'm like, do you like brainstorming? Because <laughs> I have this like, pretty cool idea. I don't know if you'll like it, but yeah, um, that's, a, I, I, that's just me, you know, being me. I like to throw out ideas, even if they're bad, because I feel like once you empty out your mind out of all these mm. ideas, it frees up more space for new ideas. In this <laughs> one, right? Yeah, exactly. So I don't know, maybe, maybe something like that you can consider, but um, yeah. my next question is, okay, let's, let's move on. I, I want to ask one other question. I know I see a lot of destiny stuff, destiny, because that's most of your clients, right? Your, mm. uh, or at least your commissions, but what is it that you actually like to draw? Uh, everything ah. <laughs> like um i really just like i suppose if, when i draw for myself um i love drawing like fantasy creatures and characters and stuff like that so that's kind of why i want to go down a career route of concept art of characters and creatures because it's just something that i could just do forever so that's probably i like Did, didn't you <laughs> share didn't you share a couple of sketches of kaiju's I don't know. I, I I know. I think it was like, was it black and white? It was like. With I think it was black and white. Yeah, this was on. This was a while back on Twitter. I'm like, oh, we need. I, and I think I responded. I said more kaiju's. <laughs> oh yeah, I, it wasn't a kaiju. It was just like a random creature. Just was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I just like just sat there and thought, oh, I'll do that <laughs> and see what yeah. happens. So that's okay. So because yeah. I love I love any art that has to do with that, like because that's mm. where my imagination imagination goes like it maybe maybe it's the same way for you because you said you love space i mm. love imagining what it's like out there right like oh, what's, yeah, what's possible and so like kaijus monsters and creatures are very very fascinating to me because no one sets the rules like no one says yeah. that you have to have two eyes and whatever so it's it's such an adventure for me um have you seen um do you like like uh monster movies and stuff if that's oh yeah that's like my favorite <laughs> there's one movie that i feel like a lot of people have not seen and i'm I'm curious if you've seen it it's called underwater no <laughs> is it just, just underwater when, when was it made or it was actually made it? into uh 2019 i think but it came out during the pandemic so it didn't really receive a lot of uh Mm, a lot of views i guess that's it's not christian stewart in it yes yeah i've seen it then you've seen it what did you think yes <laughs> i just couldn't remember the name of it and i was like oh, but i, I definitely have seen and there's like a they're on the war um <laughs> and the, there's like a machine or something that's underwater and then it all blows in i can't like i'm piecing together why yeah, 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 yeah. there was a massive monster involved yes. and like yeah. creeping and stuff outside yeah i love it <laughs> I love I, I, it's a it's a personal favorite of mine it's not you know it's not like groundbreaking or anything mm -hmm. but i thought it was very very well done versus most of the kaiju movies that i've seen because it's mm -hmm. like it's so corny in a weird way underwater is definitely more serious and what yeah, i loved about I it, yeah it was very serious but what i loved about it is the the specials at the end like um because you can watch it, or at least here in the, in the States, you can watch it in uh, HBO. I think it's still available, but you can also watch um, like the behind the scenes and stuff. Ooh, and when you watch it, you'll see how much like the passion behind the design, like how much they've worked towards the design of the movie and the creature 
and everything else, but you start to have a, a better appreciation. And that's the thing that made me love the movie because it's not one of those movies that, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So in when I, like a few years ago, when the first few Transformers movies came out, I worked for a VFX company. And so what we would do is we would uh, convert the films into 3D. And so that oh, yeah. was, yeah, that was the one that was shown in the theater. So not all movies were shot in 3D. Sometimes we would convert them. And we yeah. worked with Transformers. I mean, we worked in Transformers. Um, Dark of the Moon, I think. So it's one of the later movies. But um, Michael Bay, the director, actually came by to the studio to kind of just check out like where, where the work is being done or how it's being done. But it's also amazing how much feedback I've heard. Now, I don't know if this is true, but it does. It really did feel like that, like how a director or a producer would be like, I want this, I want this, I want this. And they don't really care how you do it. Like, it's like, mm. just do just do whatever it is. Right. <laughs> and so that kind of ruined the experience for me because it's like mm. it, there's no care. There's no passion. It's just like I remember this whole debacle between with, with Optimus Prime's like mask. I'm a big Transformers guy anyway. So Optimus Prime, when, it, when I was a kid, like he had this mask, like you never see his face. But apparently Michael Bay uh, said that he wanted the face and all the artists that worked at ILM, the, the company that, that did the, the, the CGI, were, were championing the idea that he shouldn't have a, a mouth. Like they should just cover it because that's who Optimus Prime is. And Michael yeah. was just like, I don't care. I want to see his face. And that kind of just like made me so mad because it's like, you, you listen to the artists. These yeah. Are the people that, yeah. There's a reason that it looks yeah, like there's that. there's a reason. Too. And so going back to Underwater, when you watch the uh, the specials at the end, um, you'll see that the director and the artists, they work hand in hand. Like there is an explanation as to why this looks like that. Like, for example, J.J. Abrams and his movies, like um, they're not all good movies, but there's a lot of care that went into the movies like Cloverfield. Like he didn't make Cloverfield, but he produced that. All these monster movies that he made, there's also an explanation. There's also like um, a reason behind it. And it's not just, ah, just throw in something scary and, you know, be done with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how I got into this tangent, maybe because I just love Underwater. If you if you get a chance to watch I need uh, to see the thing that you just said uh, when they talk about it. So look, watching stuff like that, like the behind the scenes and why they yeah. created what they created. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you it's seen the movie Nope? Which one? Nope. Nope, I have seen. Yes, I have seen. Nope, have you seen it? Yeah. Did you like the creature? Okay, I was. I, before I answer that, what did you think? I loved it. You loved <laughs> it. Okay, it. okay, okay, okay. So it was so different, and that's why I really liked it. I was like, "What the hell? This is insane!" I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is so. I wanted. To, yeah, I wanted to know your thoughts first before I said anything. Anything because I actually liked the movie. I don't love the movie. But I liked the movie because it was so creative. It yeah. was so different. And that's I what like, I thought. I thought it was yes. like such a different avenue for horror um, yes. and like creepy shit. And yeah. like when when you thought it was like, oh, it's just a UFO, and it just looked like a standard, typical shape, and you're like, oh. And then you realize like what it is, and you're like, what the fuck? That's the <laughs> freaked out. Yeah, and then when it turns into it again, what it's like, when it's moving, like it's it's pretending to be a cloud, and it just it yeah. moves out. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> yeah, I don't know, and it looks like this giant like head of a mushroom, and you're just yes. like, what? And then and then yeah, just 
what it became at the end, I was like, I know where they got their influence from because it was just like sea creature entirely. Yeah, I was just like, I loved it. I thought it yeah. was like so different from what you'd usually see like a scary creature to be, and it was yeah. So I want to see more of that. <laughs> that. That's why it was. That was it. That's why it was so great because it was like you said like it wasn't a typical scary creature but it was mm. able to deliver that scare that fear yeah. without designing anything that looks you know with teeth and stuff dripping. exactly like yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's funny because i my friend i had him watch it and he's like you like this movie i'm like yeah i liked it i'm like i don't know if you'll like it to be honest with you i don't know if you will like it but i liked it <laughs> after you watch it he's like what the hell was that movie <laughs> I get it. I I loved it. And my brother loved it because it was so different. It was just so unique. And it reminded me of, um, so that was, yeah, you're right. Like it does, it's like sea creatures, right? And the way I also interpreted it, it's, and I don't know if it has anything to do with the actual film, but how I interpreted the story, not the story itself, but the concept is that, you know, when when fish are swimming in the ocean, they Mm. think that's the entire world, right? Like, this is the world. This is all there is to it. And then suddenly from the top, like from the, the, the surface of the, the water, a hand comes through and, you know, grabs them. You're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. that's, kind of, that's kind of like how that, yeah. that, the, the movie was, right? We human yeah. beings think that this is the world and this is, this it. is it. And then suddenly this thing that's hype, that's pretending to be a cloud. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm glad and you brought it up. Like, shot all over the house. It was just like loads of blood. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what in the world? What would you think in that movie? Like, what? Exactly. It was brilliant. It was, <laughs> it was good. Brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. I loved, it. I loved um, Jordan Peele's movies because they're very unique. It's so yeah. different. Yeah. In the same way that I like M. Night Shyamalan, and I know he gets a lot of shit from people. Like, his movies suck, or his, his, his endings are so weird. His movies are so weird. And they're not the best, but I appreciate them. I love them because he's an out-of-the-box thinker. Like, it's mm-hmm. so, so different. So I love that. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that, brought that up because I feel like I'm, I was like a, an outlier. Like, I'm the only one who really liked it. No, yeah. everyone, everyone who I went to go see it with really liked it as well. Like, most people I've spoken to said they liked it. So I'm like, really? Oh, I'm just like it. <laughs> people don't. I'm shocked that they don't. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of people here who didn't like it. And I think it has to do with, obviously, the audience. Um, the U.S. audience is kind of weird in a way because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I grew up in the Philippines and a lot of the influence also came from the U.K. for me. So mm-hmm. the jokes I get um, when I moved here to the States, I don't get the, I didn't get the jokes. I'm like, <laughs> how is that supposed to be funny? Like, it's not <laughs> yeah. funny at all. And then as I, you know, I spent like the last 20 years here. I'm like, I get it. And now I get it. What's funny is that a lot of jokes from, you know, your side doesn't translate well here. I think it I does know, now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's all, of the, um, all of our, like, insults and stuff are so ridiculous that no one has not Like, you can just call someone an absolute lampshade and it, they'd just be like, as if you just caught me that. <laughs> yeah. like, and, like, just the stuff like that that we say, um, no one has a clue and it's great. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying it it like "Ah." and I'm just here in the middle, just like because I'm exposed. You know both sides. Both sides. Like, yeah, I get it. It's it's pretty funny. I love it. Okay, so 
we're, we're, we're basically more than halfway into the conversation. I, I don't want to take more of your time. So I want to oh, get into a topic that <laughs> I don't want to get, I want to get into a, a topic that I know you're very passionate about. I'm a little afraid bringing this up because I followed you on Twitter and you are very vocal about this. And I want to hear your thoughts about AI generated art. It's awful. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> You're being awfully nice today. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it's just a pile of crap, basically. Like, the whole... whole. I remember, actually, a while ago, somebody commented... Somebody, like, before AI art was even, like, this big thing, someone messaged me on Twitter or, like, sent me a tweet saying, uh, you need to check this out. I think you really like it, blah, blah, blah. So then I, I remember going onto the thread that they'd linked me to, and it was like loads of these really weird images that weren't quite art or photos. And I couldn't understand what it was. It was just like some weird mashed up. And I was like, did someone draw these? Or is this like Photoshop? I couldn't get it. And then they were like trying to explain to me like, oh, it's AI. Like, um, we're going to start, it's going to be like this whole new way of making art. And I'm so excited to see how artists are going to integrate into their like, workflow blah, blah, blah. and I was like wait what so then they had to I had to read about it more and be like okay so this so some generator you literally just write some words and out pops an image and I remember thinking like what the fuck <laughs> like no yeah. as yeah. if you've even just shown me that and I, I actually like did this massive rant like you've literally just shown me like the death of my like creator and you think that I'm happy about that like I was like glorious <laughs> to think like as if you could just think you could show me that and i'd be like oh yeah this is great like no it's not it's awful like you, you're just taking away all of the all of the like creativity and everything about an artist and just showing it into like a generator and i was like what the fuck so I've, when i first ever heard about it i was like no and then i actually got my hands on to, onto it i i uh, i got I went onto the Discord channel called Mid Journey where you could do it. And then I was like, okay, this is really fun. And then I had a, had a go and, and I realized like it wasn't very good. Like I'd, I put in, I wanted to have a picture of, what was it? Voldemort eating a cupcake. Mm. And it, it gave me a picture of Voldemort being eaten by a cupcake on a beach. And it was like entirely not what I asked for. <laughs> I thought this is so I was like, okay, like this isn't gonna go very far. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of forgot about it for a while, and then it popped up again, like insanely. And I had no idea how it was creating its images until I found out it was literally just scraping the internet for any image it could find to train its database to then spit out these images. And it was like finding out about how it was just stealing loads of people's art to 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 basically like put in its database so then if somebody put in a prompt it'll just pull it out if it related to whatever they put in that prompt to then mash up into some awful Frankenstein image and then push it out at the end and like I was like what the how is anyone thinking this is good I literally don't understand people's brains that they actually think this is a good idea and then I went into a AI mid-journey Facebook group 
I got blocked from there very quickly. <laughs> I was yelling at everyone, like, what the fuck did he get to hate? Like, like, I couldn't believe, like, there were people, the people on there genuinely thought they were artists. They were like, look at this, what I created. Like, they put out all these images. I was like, you don't like shit. Like, you're not an artist. <laughs> like, you're proper them. <laughs> like, it was terrible and like I had so many arguments on that I literally just got at first I wasn't allowed to comment and then I was just completely removed from the group but like everyone on there literally thought they were art they actually thought they created these images like an artist draws and like some of the arguments that people make are infuriating like they think they think this 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 AI thing is a human mind and gets inspired by the art that's across the internet. It's not, it, that's not how it works. It's a, a computer, it literally takes data, puts it somewhere else. Like it can't get inspired. It can't like pull inspiration or like its own experiences throughout its life and put it into art. Like art is an expression of a sentient person. It could, an animal could paint something and that's art, like it's, through a brain, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, it's just annoying. Like the whole thing about it, I just hate, so. Okay, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I completely understand that. And I completely get where you're, where you're coming from. I'm gonna play devil's advocate, okay? And okay. you can completely shoot me down or whatever. But <laughs> uh, there's a lot, actually, there's a lot to unpack here, right? So I would argue that AI art is literally just a fast forward way of, you know, getting a certain art piece out right it's it's taking out the the process of drawing everything and what you get is a somewhat refined piece of work most of the time it's crap because it's again it's a computer because it's guessing this mm -hmm. is going to look good so a lot of the renderings they might look attractive but they are never perfect because it's like you have, so you have to refine what it. What you need right? to do is look at that, the hands. They can't, yeah. can't do hands. The eyes are always like wonky, squished, awful. Yeah. So, so the problem is it's AI, so it learns, right? So it'll learn eventually to refine those things, like what people like. And as the artist, I'm using air quotes, um, train their, air, they, their AIs, it gets better. So to us, it's an abomination just because it's like, you took away, you know, again, like you said, the craft, the craft, the passion, the art, you know, from mm -hmm. like the actual art itself. But then again, I look at it the same way as when a photographer and back in the day would have to control all the exposure, you know, the, the settings mm -hmm. of the camera to take a photo versus the digital cameras. And I remember this transition, uh, this period when digital cameras became a thing. All the photographers were complaining. They were saying, you're not real photographers because you're just clicking a button, mm. right? Clicking a button, not thinking about the settings and everything. And so I also had a struggle, you know, you know, within me because I love taking photos. And to me, I had a film camera and the idea of using a digital camera just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. But I could see the convenience, right? I could see the convenience. So this is just my observation. My observation is that I was still able to use the digital camera. It didn't diminish my art. It just enhanced it. So the way I see AI, it's not going to be replacing artists, not at all. Mm -hmm. It's going to help them create the concept 
and the artist then can refine it. The problem I think that we both agree on is there's a lot of people parading to be artists using AI art and saying, I am an AI artist. And some of that may be true. And I'll give you an example why. Some of that may be true, but most of it, probably not. You're just, um, you'll get a lot of, um, you've seen those resumes, right? Where they would apply for a job and say, I'm an AI oh, artist. Oh yeah, and they'd be like, I'm, I can generate you so many images in my, <laughs> it's it, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very like, like, where's the, where's the skill? First of all, it doesn't matter. Like people don't necessarily hire for that skill. They hire people for being people. Because mm -hmm. if they need computers, they don't need to hire you. They'll just build a computer or buy the program. That's what it is. So I think a lot of people forget that. But they hire people for being people. You're, there's a lot more to it than just that. You know, humans are much more complex than any computer can, you know, ever be. But anyway, mm -hmm. so going back to what I was trying to say, how I would explain um, why I think some artists are actually artists. So I feel the same way about you, or at least felt like you with AR, AI art. And I'm like very much like just get it away from you know my my site. I want to see it. I don't want to be a part of it, you know. Mm -hmm. and then I found out my brother used it. And I'm like, oh man. But mind okay. you, he is an artist, right? Yeah. I, I mentioned in the beginning, he's an artist. Mm -hmm. He's been drawing all of it all his life. And what he used it for was very interesting because he says that there's a lot of things in his head, ideas that he wants to put into paper. But he just couldn't. He just didn't have the time. He had a full-time job. And he needs to scratch that itch. So he tried it. So he tried it. And like what we said, it was crap. <laughs> it was like, what is it? Why does it look like this? <laughs> and then he refined it. He refined it. And now he he can, it, you know, I, a good. he has a good ratio of having a really nice piece of art. But what he does is very unique. It's not like draw or it, it, okay let me let me give you an example um i wish i could share i can't remember his instagram page because he just started it but um i'll share it at the at the link of this uh the, the podcast when it's done but he basically created a series of concept art of knights like armored knights mm. but instead of on horses they're on bicycles <laughs> and it was actually pretty fantastic i've never seen anything like that but again he said that he had to train it to make sure that it looks real and it looks like, you know, whatever. He did not, he, did, he does not claim to be an AI artist. But what he's saying is that it can help him with mm. his art. Now he can use concept art to further his, his drawing, his, yeah. you know, whatever. So from his viewpoint and from a professional standpoint, from his views, um, from his view is that um, he can use that to sell ideas to his clients. Like, okay, what if I do this? He doesn't have to refine it. But like I said in the beginning, he basically just cut the process in half because he doesn't have to draw it. So if a, if a client says, I need uh, an artwork that looks like this, you know, with a person here doing that, instead of sketching it out, he can just do this because he works in advertising. So it's like, instead of having a photographer do a mock-up, he'll just do mm -hmm. something quick and then use that as the mock-up, as the storyboard. It's not the final work. It's not the final artwork. Not like um, what we both see on Twitter, where it's like, hire these AI models. I'm like, what the hell is that? Did you just see that one? Oh, the, the, the actual humans that they tried to. humans. 
they're yeah, new, I had a huge argument on that, so that's great. They're model, <laughs> yeah, they're like hire yeah. them. Like, how do you, what, what do you mean hire them? Like, it doesn't make sense. So maybe we're missing something, but I feel like we're both. Maybe we should be a little bit more open to it because I'm not on board of you know 100. I'm not. Mm. But it's just the things with it for me is at the minute is the copyright issue is that all of the art that is trained on at the minute is stolen from artists that did not consent to get their art put on that trained database, and no one is helping them get rid of that. Like the mm. the whole. I think the only way that I feel like AI art would be beneficial to artists is if it wasn't open source and it was per artist, per company, per... So they could train this model on all of the IP that they own. So it would be like all of Disney's art is in their own model and they're able to generate ideas through their own IP. Same with like me, I could have my own AI model, train it on all the art that I've made and it only uses that art and nothing else. And that would be great. That, that is a good way of cutting down, like concepting and bringing up ideas. Right. But as soon as you start using it and showing it as your own art and whatever, at the, at the minute, it's not, it's entirely like, it's just stolen work. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just like, ah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't um, disagree with you. But I'm gonna play devil's advocate again. This is just it just popped in my head. How different would it be then if you drew, right? Like the all the pieces that you're 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 drawing, you're taking inspiration from another artist. Like yeah, it's different. No, yeah, it's that's not it's not how it works. Like as as I said before, like AI art isn't inspired by anything. It can't be inspired, it's taking data from one thing because it's literally just zeros and ones like it can't it doesn't it also doesn't have like a lived experience where it has been um it puts its own spin on things because i don't i can't explain i'm not very coherent with stuff like this no no, no I, can, that I, I get what you're going yeah i, I need to show going. you it. I've, i shared it on twitter anyway but this guy was able to explain it perfectly and i just can't because i get so frustrated because <laughs> i'm just like no. I can tell. But, yeah no i can tell this, this guy is able to explain it entirely perfectly of like how how ai art is not the same as a human artist it doesn't it can't be inspired it can't like it just it's just different <laughs> I, can't, I don't know how to explain it but yeah i'll have to i'm gonna try to make you feel better okay i'm gonna try to make you feel better there's a reason why i ask you those questions there's a reason why i kind of led you into this conversation i want to bring it back to our original topic when we first started this conversation remember how we talked about destiny and how no matter how good the graphics are people will still pay for someone to create the art for themselves for, for them mm -hmm. because there is something inherent about that art piece that means a lot more to people because they know it's a human hand that made it mm. they know that it's completely unique they know that it has um faults that it has um imperfections mm -hmm. and that's exactly what makes it beautiful that's what art is right like the human experience translated into a 2D image, image, mm. right? Like, I mean, 3D artists can do the same thing. It's yeah. just a different craft. But I think just the fact that they know someone worked hard on this is a much more is makes it much more valuable to them. The same way 
that if I ordered a piece of furniture from Amazon versus I asked my uncle to build me one. Oh, yeah. They could be yeah. exactly the same thing, but I'm more willing to pay my uncle because I know there was a lot of passion mm. and love and experience and just human, just the human um, aspect is included mm. in that final product. And that's why I'm not afraid of AI. Yeah. It's like I sentimental value to it as well. There is, there is. Way. And for people to think that people don't buy based on emotions, that is false. And I've always had this argument about cars, for example. I remember having arguments with people about cars and saying, why would you buy this car when, it, when you can buy something else? And I'm like, you don't understand that every car that you buy, unless you absolutely need a car right now, Every car that you buy is an emotional purchase. It is not a practical purchase. No one needs four, five, you know, six cars or change. They don't need to change cars every year or every four years. That is not necessary. But it is an emotional purchase because to you, it can be, it can be, mean a lot of things. Like it speaks to who you are right now. It's like wearing different shoes. It mm. speaks to how your, your career is going. It's our avatar. You want people to see it's, it's, it's how we present ourselves to the world, right? Mm. And so I think we just forget that, that everything from everything that has design has to have an emotional aspect to it. And that is the one thing mm. that people will always pay for. That is the one yeah. thing that people will always value over something that is created. And so, Emily, I know it was a choppy subject. I mean, I didn't want to get into that conversation because I just was... get really angry and passionate about stuff like that. No, that's <laughs> okay. that, that's I'm just like, I no. love it. I love it. I love your passion. And I think it's very, very important. And, you know, I very much appreciate it that you share that because not everyone's willing to do that. And I think more people need to hear that. More people need to understand why people are passionate behind it. And mm -hmm. it's not just an argument of this is better versus that. It's, it's a, it's moot, to be honest, because to us, we value art and we know who our audience are and we know that that audience will also value. I promise you this, even if AI can make destiny characters, as however, however the way they want, someone is still willing, much more willing to pay for someone to draw for them because that is something that the AI cannot do, mm. right? So that's never going to go away. As a matter of fact, my... Prediction. This is my prediction. The more AI and how automation just becomes more ingrained and more apparent in society, yeah. the more valuable we get, we become, our skills become. And I honestly think that's a good thing. That yeah. is an absolutely a good thing because that really separates us. Yeah. So I hope, I hope that does happen. I have a good feeling that will definitely happen because you just can't replace a human being, period. Mm. You cannot replace a human being. So there. I mean, I hope I made you feel a little bit better. I don't yeah. know where AI art is going. I completely yeah. understand where you're coming from. I'm a little bit more on the middle at this point, I guess, mm. with AI art. I still don't agree when people say I'm an AI artist because some of them might be. But most of them are not. No. Like you said, most of them are not. So it's just that's, like, that's my gripe, I guess. That's yeah, it just stresses me out because like they'll they'll put down that like these people are actively attacking and putting down artists, saying like you deserve this to happen to you because blah blah blah. And I'm like, 
do you realize like if that ai didn't have any of the art that these artists that you're telling you know go away with we wouldn't even have the art at the end it's like this it's insane like what is actually going on right now with these people so yeah i'm, I'm gonna... not i'm not familiar with that with that um Oh yeah, like it's mass. Like people, like all the artists across the internet at the minute who are saying, like, "Oh, we don't want to be part of this AI art crap. We want to take our art off of that." They're getting like death threats and stuff. Like they're actually getting oh, attacked to be like, you know, you deserve this to happen to you. You just all all artists deserve to not have like their job and like you're all you're all um, calling everyone like really rich and you know. I don't know. It's 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 pretty toxic at the minute, and that, I think that's why toxic, I'm sort of yeah. like angry about it because everyone's mm -hmm. like these people who haven't lifted the pencil all their life are suddenly jumping on this this technology and then calling themselves an artist, saying like, "Oh, I've created these amazing renders or whatever," and then applying for creative jobs and then telling artists that they're all you know go away you rubbish no one wants you to have your job anymore and it's like excuse me <laughs> the ironic part yeah the ironic the irony there is that if they do get what they what they've been asking for like all artists deserve they don't deserve a job let's just see how colorful the world is it's probably going to look all the same exactly it's That's like do you not know where all your entertainment comes from like everything yes. that you go home to after your hard day at work at the office and you sit down and watch something they they are artists. They are creating what you relax to, and mm -hmm. you're saying like, oh, you you know, all you artists need to like stop doing art. Like, just like I just had a similar argument yesterday about um, the UI design, the the icons on phones. Like, mm -hmm. how I, I was just having a conversation about how something is designed, and they're like, you know, I don't need it to be designed nicely. I just need it to say whatever it needs to say. And I'm like, you don't realize how important design is with the mm -hmm. things that we interact with, with that there's an actual person behind it designing it that way so that it makes our specifically. life yeah. yeah specifically so that it makes our life much easier or even better or just aesthetically pleasing like you don't yeah. realize that and i think that's why even for me for my um when i started my instagram page like i was just like you know doing desk setups and stuff and i remember in the beginning people were like you don't need that you don't need that Here's here's a true story. I've told the story uh, a couple times before. When I first started sharing pictures of my desk, I used to put um, I put shelves in front of me, and I would put the the lenses of my camera on top of the shelf. And that during that time, I never saw I've never seen anyone do that. Like to me, photographers mm -hmm. would keep their equipment in inside a closet. I can stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember I would get comments from people saying, "Why would you put it there?" It's like, it's, it doesn't serve any purpose. It doesn't serve any purpose. It's just going to get dirty. And I'm it, mostly from phot photographers, like old school photographers. And I'm like, because it's aesthetically pleasing. Like yeah. it, 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 ha it serves no purpose. And actually that's art, right? Like that's also art. It doesn't uh -huh. serve any purpose other than to just please cool. you in that, in, that, in that visual way, right? And yeah. I think people, people underestimate that, the power of that. Mm. Because when you're inspired by the things that you see and you interact with, Man, you can get some work done and like yeah. really nice work done. <laughs> mm, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just a, um, this, remember this conversation for those listening are, are, you're listening in, you're listening to a conversation between two artists that maybe doesn't 
makes sense to you, or maybe it does. I mean, if you're a creator, this, this is called coffee of creators. And I call it coffee of creators because it's not, it doesn't just pertain to people on social media, like, or creators mm. in general. Like I call creators, like business owners, um, people who create yeah. products and services, they're all creators. So in a way, we're all artists in our own way. Cause we, mm-hmm. what is creativity? Creati- creativity is taking a bunch of different things and putting them together and making something new. That's essentially mm-hmm. what we're doing, right? So, but not AI. Uh, yeah, and not AI. I mean, AI is doing it, but not the way humans do it. And that's the the biggest like differentiator. It, it's anyway. It's yeah. we're gonna go, we're gonna have another like hour talking. About AI. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast. I don't want to take more of your time. It's been, no, it's an been a absolute, pleasure. Really it was fun. wonderful. I was you're a wonderful person. Thank you so much for sharing your views, your story. Um, how can people find you? Where can they find you? Um, everywhere. <laughs> uh, everywhere. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Tumblr. Oh my God, I don't you, know. You still have <laughs> Wow. Um, no, I made one recently because everyone was just like, oh. I remember when everyone was going crazy about how Twitter was just going to die because of Elon Musk or whatever. Yeah. And so everyone was just like, try all these new apps, blah, blah, blah. And then someone was just like, Tumblr's good. And I was like, oh God, I don't like I had a Tumblr years ago and then yeah. I thought I'll make another one and just throw some art on there but I haven't really used it that much <laughs> so I didn't even know Tumblr was, was still alive that's funny. yeah apparently it is so I made one <laughs> but oh, I don't really know what's your handle um, are, are they all the same across pretty much years? just Emily Megan X or art at the end um but me- I'm mainly active on Twitter and Instagram mainly and then sometimes Facebook but yeah I'm very active and vocal on Twitter <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's why people follow you because you're a real person. Yeah. Right? You're a real person. You share your, your ideas, your views. AI can't do that. So yeah. that's one of the reasons they follow, they follow you. So wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and for sharing Pleasure. your thoughts and having this just wonderful conversation. It was fun. I yeah, definitely, definitely think that we can extend this to like another hour with no problem. Yeah. But I, but yeah, I just talk about movies as well. I love talking about yeah, movies. You know, we'll, <laughs> bring me on again. we'll have you back on the podcast. We'll do this yeah. again. Like whenever you're free, okay. uh, we'll, we'll we'll think of another topic and we'll, we'll talk about that and, you know, just, you know, just catch up again. Well, yeah. How does that sound? That sounds great. I love that. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, Emily. Um, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys again very, very soon.